Welcome to the Alcohol Tipping Point Podcast. I'm your host, Deb Maisner. I'm a registered nurse, health coach, and alcohol-free badass. I have found that there's more than one way to address drinking. If you've ever asked yourself if drinking is taking more than it's giving, or if you've found that you're drinking more than usual, you may have reached your own alcohol tipping point. The Alcohol Tipping Point is a podcast for you to find tips, tools, and thoughts to change your drinking. Whether you're ready to quit forever or a week, this is the place for you. You are not stuck and you can change. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Alcohol Tipping Point podcast. I'm your host, Deb Maisner, and today on the show we have Dustin Dunbar. Dustin is the author of the new book, You're Doing Great and Other Lies Alcohol Told Me. He combines his own experiences overcoming alcohol addiction with his PhD in psychology to expose the lies we all too willingly accept about alcohol. Duncan is also a coach at wearetheafr.org. By the way, AFR stands for Alcohol Free Revolution. Yes, there is a revolution. That's so cool. And wearetheafr.org is a nonprofit online community helping others with alcohol addiction and helping raise consciousness. So welcome to the show, Dustin. I'm glad to have you on. Thank you, Deb. It's so fun and great to be here with like-minded, conscious people. Yeah, I like that word, that that kind of conscious awakening and just in, and your whole theme of like lies that alcohol has told us, you know, society and you personally. And I I'm so glad that you wrote this book and, and wrote it for from a male perspective, because we do see a lot of women leading the way in this whole kind of quote unquote sober curious world. And I know that men are looking for alternatives as well, too. And so I think this is helpful to all people. Yeah, it is. And I did write it from a male perspective. And then, you know, the the marketing of it, it's all it's black and gray and stuff. And they, they say that men won't really go towards books that are marketed or written by women but they will go towards manly man books and things like that. So yeah, it, it is for a man, but it also is definitely women. Women will read either way. So, you know, it's for everybody, but it's definitely written as a, as a male perspective. And, and you're right. There aren't that many men out there researching, writing and dealing with this subject. So I'm happy to be, you know, doing this out of service. I'm retired and this is all volunteer. So all proceeds go to help people fight with alcohol addiction. And then I'm a volunteer coach at wearetheafr.org, which is the, the charity online nonprofit organization that I started to have, you know, Zoom coaching calls and help raise consciousness about this subject and help people get out of alcohol matrix and alcohol addiction. Wow. Well, I I love that. And I love that you're giving back and in a different way. And that's so cool that it's it's a nonprofit. Wonderful, wonderful. And I love how you said breaking out of the matrix, too. So can you share a bit about your drinking story and how you broke out of the alcohol matrix? Yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm really consciousness is everything to me. And my consciousness of alcohol, you know, started so young 
with family growing up in the Midwest, Puritan work ethic, farmers coming, you know, land run Oklahoma. And just, if you're not working, you're not worthy. And so it was, it was a tough upbringing and my grandfathers and my father had it even way worse than I did, you know, with, with that. And they tried to alleviate their pain back in the day by being a man's man and moonshine whiskey was flowing. They both, you know, it was, they had different stories. My grandfather was a farmer. My, my dad was a doctor in history. And so very different people, but at the same time, both after a while, after they had consumed enough alcohol, alcohol is a 100% addictive substance to anybody out there. Nobody can handle their alcohol. They got addicted. And I watched them as a young child and I was like, oh, I vowed absolutely. I will never drink alcohol. And then of course, age 15, 16 comes around and the peer pressure, the social trying to be fit in, you know, seeing the, the hot teenage girl drinking a beer beside the pool and, and wanting to talk to her. And so going up to her and asking her, you know, with a beer in my hand, showing her that, Hey, I can drink too, you know, and it just accumulated from there of like you to be in and in the crowd, you have to drink. And it was this unbelievable peer pressure. So I don't understand how people get through high school without drinking. The, some of the ones I do know that do, I'm like, you guys have superpowers. You guys are unbelievable. You're act, you're not real. <laughs> like to me, I'm like, how do you do that? That's a, a, unbelievable. So I applaud them. I applaud their parents. And I am, I'm trying to do that with my children. I'm trying to teach them consciousness of alcohol, of like how it's just like cigarettes. So like parents do today, they see somebody smoking around their kids and they're like, ew, gross, that's disgusting, you know, and they talk to them about it. Or they see if there's any kind of like ad or something like that, they're like, oh, cigarettes are disgusting, they're gross, they're cancer sticks. They say all these things right then and there. Whereas alcohol, we don't do that. You know, when uncle's drinking or even the parents are drinking, that's that's really the, the big issue usually if they see their parents doing it. But so I'm going the route of really just educating them just like I would you, you would with cigarettes. And it's working. They, they're loving it. I'm teaching them about how alcohol causes seven different types of cancer, things like that. So to regress here, to digress back to my, you know, story is, it was just a, a unfolding, but I ended up doing, I was really poor growing up and I ended up doing really well in sales and traveling around the world, high end, first class doing, you know, Camus wines, martinis, champagne on first class flights, thinking I'm living the life, right? And it was just that slow drip for me, alcohol addiction, where in the end, I ended up craving it at about started craving it. And it started being like, oh, if I'm going to any kind of social event, I'd be like, what kind of alcohol is going to be there? Do I need to bring my own? It was just this consciousness of like, like, what am I doing? And whereas my brother, he was about age 17 and he got addicted really pretty immediately whenever he had his first drinks, it just hit that you know, front lobe cortex, whatever he needed in his brain, it just was like really fast and it killed and numbed a lot of his pain from childhood that we had. And so, yeah, it's very different. It's interesting because I always talk about how people get addicted different times, different bodies, different paths, different consciousness. Uh, but the point of it is, I don't care where you're from. I don't care if you're from France, Ireland, if you're Irish, if you're 
uh, Thai, wherever you're on the planet, if you are a body, 100% addictive substance. And that is the major point that I'm trying to make in the book and teach people that this is a, a substance that this is not some kind of thing where only a certain class of people can get addicted. We all can get addicted. This is a very, very dangerous addictive substance that is also, you know, causing all kinds of psychological problems and uh, illnesses, diseases, and things like that too. So there's there's so much that goes into this now with all the new science and research that's come out. And so, yeah, I go into that heavily and just like, we must educate our children. We must educate ourselves with this new science and get out of that alcohol consciousness, alcohol matrix, that is the collective illusion, collective unconscious lie that alcohol benefits us in some way. And we, you know, that goes back way back. So whenever I was talking about my childhood consciousness, I got in, you know, meditation and stuff, get into where I'm talking about 10,000 years ago, we started using as humans. So we have this collective unconscious belief that it, it is the painkiller for 10,000s of years. It has been the only, especially socially accepted painkiller. And we're talking about for anxiety, physical things, war, that's all they had for thousands and thousands of years. And now we're in modern day where we don't need this temporary painkiller anymore. And I understand, yeah, if you're on the battlefield and you're getting your leg amputated and there's a bottle of whiskey around, there you go. And that's it. That's all you have. That's back in the day. Like, get it done. Let you know, like, make it happen. That was it. But now we've got to get into this modern, higher consciousness and, and evolve out of this mass consumption of this toxic substance that is so addictive and so just, I mean, ethanol. That's what it is. It's, it's pure ethanol. And it cracks me up, you know, as a man's man, growing up in Oklahoma, all these guys that I know, my friends and stuff, they have these beautiful trucks. They're like $80,000 trucks. And they, so they, they're like, no way. And I'm putting any ethanol in my motor. Right. And I'm like, that's interesting because that 10% ethanol, you know, that you're talking about whenever you pull up to the gas pump, you tonight, you're going to go and you're going to drink a, a substance that has 40% ethanol and you're going to put it in your tissues in your soft tissues in your brain in your body. And they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, that ethanol is the exact same substance as, as alcohol. It just has two different names. And they, they don't know. Most people don't know that ethanol and alcohol are the same thing. So, so long story short, wrapping it up with that question is that I, yeah, I got addicted and I stopped drinking about four years ago, alcohol free. And it, it just, the joy that started popping up was just unbelievable. I started having these spiritual, beautiful experiences, but I also took the you know major Band-Aid off and underneath that Band-Aid was a major, massive amount of uh, trauma from my childhood that I had been suppressing so much. And I had abandonment fears from my father being abusive and leaving us that I had, that's why, you know, for me, it was a big thing of drinking was to mask that pain to everybody and not talk about my feelings, not get them out and just deal with it with drinking. And yeah, so once that happened, I went into major anxiety. And so it just, sur it all surfaced whenever I took the alcohol away. And so I had to do a couple of years of personal development and it was a really difficult 
time doing that but now it's just this beautiful joy this this spiritual communion joy with the universe that is beyond words and i'm i'm just so happy to be where i'm at now um but i'd like to help people not go through what i went through that's that's the point of all this so there you go yeah thank you for sharing i mean you bring up a lot of different points and aspects about alcohol, you know, from your personal experience of growing up around it, having your dad and grandpa who drank and just being, you know, using it for liquid courage and the peer pressure and and then just recognizing like it was no longer serving you. And then once you remove it, like, then what do you do? You're just kind of this raw human being, right? So you went through this journey and like you've been through a lot and and now you're at the point where you're like ready to share with people and whatnot. So that that's wonderful. Yeah, well, well, I love raw, raw human being. You, you When you remove the alcohol, you become raw human and you become real. I love that. That was beautiful. Yeah, definitely. You become real. I, I remember that first year, I just felt like a little raw, exposed nerve walking around. <laughs> I mean, there were a lot of good things, but there were a lot of things that drinking was covering up too, for sure. And so let's talk about your book, which is you focused on personal stories, very entertaining stories too, I might add, but also just kind of the big, the big lies that alcohol has told us. What would you say are some of the biggest lies that you discovered about alcohols related? to you yeah so the, the big ones I there you know each chapter has one we go into the myths of it and stuff but the big ones are you know that you're gonna have more fun you're gonna have more sex you're gonna people are gonna like you more and it really revolves around the social aspect of it is that you know which you see on all of the big alcohol advertisements if you look in them what they're what they're pitching is sex almost every one of them 90 percent of alcohol advertisement is sex or social social aspects of being with the guys and being with the women you know the the wine and the the whole thing so it really i get into that that whole social aspect of why we're doing it and and really it's it's a brainwashing we've just been completely and totally big alcohol has done an incredible job of brainwashing us to you know five on average we see five ads a day about how great alcohol is, how it's the elixir of life. And without it, you're not going to have as much fun, sex, and you're not going to be as social. And so, yeah, that's what we get into heavily with it. But for me, it was being proven my worth, being a man, showing, you know, when I was like 16, 17, hunting, fishing all around, you know, the Midwest and and the, the older guys were doing it. And after, you know, we'd be out all day hunting, we'd have a have beers or even in deer stands, you know, having the whiskey. And I just look back at that and it was just such a cultural, interesting thing to be like, that's what you did. And if you didn't do it, then I get a little older and I get into sales. And if I wasn't part of the guys, you know, the the CEOs wanting me to play golf with them and do tequila shots on the golf course and you're in these beautiful locations. And if you aren't part of that and doing that, then you feel like you're not going to get the the job. You're not going to get to hang out because it's such a 
you know, job promotional type thing too. So yeah, there's so many myths and lies though. Every day I'm just like, oh my gosh. And I hear people talking about the health benefits of, you know, resveratrol in wine. And I just crack up every time. I'm like, the tiny trace amounts of resveratrol that is in red wine is so minimal, number one. And you can get so much more with even dark chocolate, right? And, and, and then blueberries and, and berries and things like that. And so the, the 13% ethanol that is in that glass of a uh, tiny trace amount of resveratrol, please just stop. You're being ridiculous, right? <laughs> so they're starting to say that two two glasses a week of of wine is a is a fifteen percent increase in cancer. So I mean, the, you, stop with the health benefits of of drink and putting ethanol in your body, and that's another big myth that I've been getting into too. And and that's kind of my passion right now is the health stuff. So I go through. It depends on where I'm at with this whole process. You know, in four years, you go through. Whoa, there's another one. There's another one. And it's just all these debunking. But right now, everybody's thinking, oh, it's so healthy. And the marketing ads you're seeing is like sparkling water, you know, all the organic mango, hard water. And I'm like, sparkling water. I'm like, what are you talking? It sounds so great. You know, and, they're, and I'm like, no, they're organic. Yeah, the ethanol in there. Yeah, it's organic. It's rotten fruit and vegetables. <laughs> that is what you're consuming. So sure, okay, if you're gonna call it organic and you just have to see through all the lies that big alcohol puts out there. And it's not just them though, it's our consciousness is that that deep until we get into our own consciousness and cure that illusion, that lie that we have in ourselves that alcohol benefits in some way, then we're gonna struggle and we're gonna be trying the willpower method and things like that. But until we really go inside ourselves and say, why am I thinking that alcohol benefits me? What is that? And really start to see like, why do I feel like I need to have a external substance to have fun at a party? I didn't need that when I was 10, 11, 12. And I went to parties and I danced my butt off and roller skating and had the best time of my life and it was just pure joy coming out of me what happened to me where all of a sudden now i have to have this substance to enjoy myself and so you go into that and that's where the, the healing is yeah it, it's so interesting and you you talked about ads and seeing those many ads and i think in your book you also talked about like we don't, I mean, they don't even have to pay for ads anymore because it's so pervasive on TV shows and movies and it, uh, everywhere. And like you said, in your own family, and it's just always part of celebration. And I mean, that's, that's really hard when it's so ingrained in society. But I think the good thing is, and, and thinking about, you know, the organization you work for, the alcohol-free revolution, is we are starting to see a cultural shift. And yes. Listeners and raise my hands like, yeah, the revolution. I, right. So uh, we're starting to see more mainstream media covering the harmful effects of alcohol. And we're seeing like that that Huberman Lab podcast. So if people don't know, Huberman Lab is one of the biggest podcasts in the world, and it's 
Dr. Huberman is a neuroscientist out of Stanford, does not have any issues with alcohol himself. He's just a science-based educator. But his episode on alcohol and your health was the most shared podcast episode out of all the episodes in the world. It was the most shared podcast episode of 2023. So I think that's really cool. We're starting to see more health organizations and government agencies saying, you know, there's zero amount of alcohol is recommended for your health. So we're definitely starting to see the ship turning, but it's really slow, like you said, and because there's still the social part. And I, I think that, you know, a part of it just goes back to people wanting to feel good. And they're wanting, you know, your brain is hardwired to move towards pleasure and away from pain in the quickest way possible. And We've learned to do that with alcohol and not just alcohol, like with our phones, with with shopping, with like we are in a society where we don't have to feel uncomfortable. We want to feel comfortable all the time, whether it's like you're cold, you have your sweater, you're in your warm house. We have lost the ability to be comfortable with uncomfortable feelings and sensations. And so... I think just going to like, okay, why? What's this bigger thing about alcohol? It's been around for 10,000 of years. You know, it, it's so interesting to me. What do you think are some other things as you were researching just the history of alcohol and modern society and what else came up for you in your book and the alcohol matrix? Yeah. So once again, consciousness, and it's that, it's that, I, I believe that, you know, we, I know, you know, with Carl Jung and the collective conscious, we are basically all, you know, from our past and our past has it ingrained in us that alcohol, because of it being the only painkiller for so many years, like you said, it's a big ship that we're turning around. This ship is, is ingrained and it is mad. And I'm talking about in all of us, literally, when we come into this world, we have this alcohol illusion, what I call the alcohol matrix, and Catherine Gray and so many other people have had this awakening out of this consciousness, and it's so much like, oh my gosh, the rest of this planet is plugged in and laying on these gurneys with these tubes in them, with this ethanol piping in them, thinking that they're in this world of, of joy and, and fun and that they're living this high life just like I was. So I'm not judging anybody. I was right there with them. Right. Yeah. And yeah. And you have, you wake up out of that and you, you're like, Oh, you slap your forehead and you're like, Oh my God, what was I doing? I was spending all this money on this substance and doing, and like, and it was just become part of my life and like offering it people and buying it for people and, 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 and hurting my body and being hung over and doing horrible stuff, drunk, stupid stuff harming other people, you know, in, 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 in so many different ways, psychologically and stuff. And I'm like, wow, what is that all about? And it's just this, this huge, beautiful awakening whenever you come out of it. But it's also like you're looking around and I don't have any judgment or anything like, like I was saying for other people drinking it and doing that. But at the same time, I do have this huge passion to help people wake up out off of that gurney get off of that and unplug yourself and yell at those big alcohol marketers to get away from you. 
and it is you are a powerful being you are infinite timeless being that and and any kind of addiction is so tiny so infinite so tiny compared to what you are inside and so there at, at the beginning you like you said you feel so raw and you feel small and you feel you know like what am i doing i, I have this awakening feeling that i don't want to drink anymore but then am i going to lose my friends am i going to you know be in the same groups am, am i going to be invited to the book clubs am i going to be part of the guys to go hunting am i going to get to go to the games with them what if i when i tell them that i'm not drinking anymore what are they going to say and there's all these questions and all these things just know that that is all part of it and it is so normal and you are not alone the alcohol free revolution our tagline is you will never walk alone so whenever i had my awakening i was like oh now what because i did change my friends i changed a lot of my life i didn't want to hang out in bars anymore and just talk about sports and hunting and drink the whole time i wanted to talk about spirituality and love and and communication and these deep relationship things that i talk to people about now instead of surface you know just not and so those friends that i used to have that are think that they were really friends were just just bar buds you know kind of things so you will change your life will change when your consciousness changes and there will be some you know challenges with that but in the end your relationships with yourself and with others will be infinitely more enjoyable than what they were and it's hard to believe that because of all the laughter and things that you have with the with the buds drinking and all this stuff but what I've really noticed is now all those drinking buds and stuff too are coming to me and saying, Dustin, how'd you do it? What did you do? I want to try it. What do we got to do? And I'm like, yep, here we go. It's that consciousness that you're talking about and that awakening that is so beautiful to see. So the timing is, is great. And I do think it's a lot to do with all the science that's coming out. The big alcohol companies are no longer able to suppress and to push that all down like they have in the past. Like, uh big tobacco did it for years you know paying the marlboro man off i mean there you know it was absolutely horrible but I, so now you know but it really upsets me when i see ads like modello came out with an ad for one of their their beer and it's like this olympic swimmer and he is sitting around a fire and they're talking about how he had cancer and he is such a fighter for getting through cancer and it shows him about to have a drink and of course they can't that's the only thing they can't show is him actually having a drink but he's doing that with his friends and i'm sitting there going this man had cancer and now he's pouring ethanol into himself is what you're saying and you're promoting that and you know modello knows that alcohol causes cancer let's be absolutely real so on all the big alcohol companies know that it does and they're doing this blatant advertising and that pisses me off you know whatever i'm like okay so so they better have their fighting spirit because the alcohol free revolution is coming after them whenever we get we're, we're gonna with our money we're gonna start doing ads going against just like big tobacco and we're gonna be petitioning to lawmakers and it's gonna we're, we're gonna fight and i'm not saying prohibition stuff at all uh, that doesn't work I'm, I'm a free loving do what you want american but just like cigarettes we treat alcohol just like cigarettes and we put labels on it and we don't allow the advertising to just like cigarettes where we're like no we're our kids do not need to be seeing that on tv on banners 
you know, you're at the beach here. I'm in San Diego and I'm at the beach and I look up and there's a plane flying by and it's like Coors Light, refreshing, da, 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 with this huge banner up and down the beach. And I'm like, it's everywhere. It's just literally, you cannot get away from these advertising campaigns. And so that's that whole brainwashing stuff that I'm really passionate about too, is going after big alcohol advertising. Oh, that's really cool. Cause I was going to ask you like, how, what can we do to change it big picture? And then I want to ask you about little picture, which would just be individually, but big picture wise, you said going after advertisements and, and kind of following the model they did with big tobacco, contacting your, your Congress representative. Tell me more about like what we can do big picture. Yeah, so that is, I, I, in the book, I even have, I put a date. The Buddha says that we create through our imagination and our actions. And so, and we, it's really good to get specific with that. So I put in there that January 12th, 2028 will be signed into law, the Alcohol Advertisement Act, just like the Tobacco Advertisement Act. And what that is, is basically that you cannot advertise alcohol on TV, radio, and things like that, just like, just like cigarettes and, and, and tobacco. And so, and then all the stores, whenever you're walking in, you know, you'll see things like alcohol is a highly addictive substance. Uh, quitting is very difficult, right? Yeah. You're, you're walking in, but there's things like that. So it's, it's. And because you see that with tobacco, you see, you walk into stores now and you see things like that. You see the horrible throat people, you know, and the cancer pictures and all this stuff. And they don't show, you know, it's so weird how alcohol just gets away with everything. And on bottles, it's basically like if you're pregnant or driving a big truck, don't do it. <laughs> you know, and you're like, wait, really? That's the, that's the warning. And, 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 and it's, and we shut down the world 1.8 million people died during COVID. And I'm not trying to minimize that or anything like that. that. You know, we shut down the entire world financial, the whole bit. Guess how many people died of alcohol consumption that year? 3 million. So for me, that's a mic drop. That's like, wait, we shut down the entire planet basically for 1.8. And we just look at that 3 million and we're not doing anything. We're literally just going, oh yeah, it's been around for a long time. Yeah, people have issues with it sometimes. And my I know my my uncle, my dad, my da 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 and then you could start talking to people and everybody has major issues, you know, in their in their with themselves or their their family that have been horror stories. And it's just time to wake up out of that consciousness and do something and do stuff and get off the sidelines. And so that's what I did. And I'm like, I have to practice what I preach. So every day I'm like, okay, let's go. And yeah, I get I get times where this energy and this passion. I feel burned out, like right before the book release. Yesterday was the the book release, and I was like, I felt like I was pregnant for like twelve months. You know, where you're just huge, and you're like, get this baby out of me. I, I've got to, I got like, it's like, come on, like all the social media, all the stuff to do it. So I've got this new energy now today, so which is great, but it it's been. It's been kind of it's been trying, and I am I'm rejuvenated, and I'm so happy to be talking to people like you because it, that's where I get the energy from. 
Oh, that's great. Yeah, I'm really passionate about it. You know, uh, as a registered nurse working in preventative health, it's so interesting. Like we, we rarely screen for alcohol use. We'll ask if you smoke. We don't ask if you drink or how much or anything. And with like all these chronic diseases, with chronic disease management, something we do is prevention, right? So we identify people with pre-hypertension, pre-diabetes, when their LDL cholesterol starts to raise, like we're doing all these interventions to help prevent this chronic disease, like so you don't get the heart attack or a stroke or whatnot. But we don't do that with alcohol, you know, as far as treatment goes. So I I think that is a big public health issue and disservice. And I think it's partly part of that bigger cultural thing that it's just been so socially accepted for so long. So I love the advocacy and lobby work that y'all are doing. I think that is so important to help change it. Yeah, that's it's it's good. And, you know, it's just we're just beginning. So we're very small. Our little Zoom groups are mostly my coaches right now. So if anybody's out there and they want to get on this revolution, train and then just go to we are the afr.org and it's school it's s-k-o-o-l and you just sign up in there and it's all free zoom stuff and it's very different from aa type meetings we have a lot of fun we don't we don't do the past thing too much yeah we know that you did a lot of stupid stuff whenever you were drunk <laughs> we all did we don't you know we you can share that and get that out and i we love when people are vulnerable and and need to do that but it's, it's much more, I call the meetings, high consciousness trainings. And so we are very much in the present moment and geared and geared towards the future. So it's, it's great, but there, but at the same time, we also, I get into my past, you know, if I, if it feels like it's necessary to let somebody know that we've been there and, and stuff like that, but it's, it's much more, it's a fun place to be. <laughs> and, and it's talks about how to communicate with people. We're, we're not, it's, it's rare. It's funny. Cause I, the people are always like, I thought I was coming here for alcohol. I'm like, yeah, you, you did, but you came, you, we're dealing with high consciousness, psychological stuff instead of, you know, just sitting there talking about ethanol all day. It's your relationships and, and things to take that edge off in a very healthy way. Because one of the biggest myths about alcohol is that it takes the edge off. And so all you're doing with alcohol is suppressing the edge and pushing it down. And the edge is getting bigger and bigger underneath that sore that you're trying to suppress down. So if you're having problems with your boss, your spouse, your kids, anything like that, money, financial, that's what we're there. And that's what we talk about. We get it out and we deal with it face head on. And then that edge is really taken off because we get a solution and we work through it in a natural, healthy way instead of suppressing it and saying, oh, I'll deal with that tomorrow. Let's go out and have five drinks at the bar and watch the game, you know? So it's much more, it's so liberating to be just taking life as it comes instead of avoiding life. Well, what are some of your other just tips for people who are new to this? And they're maybe they're just doing dry January or they're not sure, you know, if they want to completely quit drinking and they keep going back to it. Like, what do you have to say to those people? 
Yeah, everybody has their own relationship with alcohol and there is no, becoming alcohol free is not a competition. So try different things, try whatever you can and see if it works for you. Like I did there whenever, four years ago, I was looking around going, what can I do? Like, is there apps? I, I got on AA Zoom meetings. It wasn't for me at all, but I tried different things and started just researching and learning everything. And so really just get out there and put yourself out there and start looking at stuff and try the AFR. It's free, AA is free. Try whatever you can and then find what resonates for you and find that community because with the community is going to be your key to continuing on. It, it's just so cool. Whenever you have, you start having a friendship and you look at somebody else's face and they have that glow that, you know, that you're like, if I can get on the other side of this, I can be like them and I can have that, that joyous, fun, present moment life that I know is out there. And I know that's what I am inside. I know I'm so powerful, but I just need to get out, need to get this addictive ethanol away from me and then, and change my life. And so, yeah, dry January, you're trying that sober October, all those kind of things. But like I was saying earlier, until we really change your consciousness that you with all your mind, soul, being understand and know that, 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 substance that you are consuming is 100% addictive. It's also 100% toxic. It is ethanol. It is so bad for your mind, your body, and your spirit. And you will, I just felt blah. The whole time I, I look back at my drinking and I was always like, I just like, yeah, you have your high moments where you, you know, your first drink and you're like high and tipsy and whatever. But then it's just this kind of low blah I'm not my fullest. I'm not having this joy that I know that's in me. And man, and now this this beautiful joy that just, just flows out of me and through me. And I, I'm like, every day, I'm like, how can I keep that going? What do I got to do to have that energy? And the number one thing is to take the, not have ethanol running through your veins. And when you get that in your consciousness, that this is horrible stuff, instead of this is life's elixir and that it benefits me it makes me funnier sexier and all these things until you get that these these whole like 10 days oh i did 10 days and didn't drink it's, it's just white knuckling you're like doing this willpower thing it's almost like you're you're taking something away during dry january this isn't taking something away this is giving you your life and giving you your joy giving you your health and you are gaining everything by by removing a toxic, addictive substance. You had talked earlier about your brother, and I appreciate that. And because my brother also gave up drinking, he he'll be three years alcohol free around Easter. But he was he. I went hearing you talk about growing up as a guy and the hunting and the camaraderie with guys. I was like, oh, this sounds just like Chris, you know. But I was curious how your brother is doing and what his journey's been like. If that's okay for you to share, yeah, of course. And thank you for bringing it up. He's in the book as well, and he's still yeah, the yeah. He's a drag queen. He he was wearing mom's high heels at like age four, you know, and just 
So he, he was, yeah, drag queen in San Francisco Castro area for like eight years, something like that. I had a nationwide cable TV show. And like I was saying earlier, he got addicted really quick and to alcohol. So he has been alcohol free for the last, I think he's at 19 years now. And he did it through AA and is a big AA supporter, all that. So, but he did help me create the alcohol free revolution with, in all kinds of ways, creative and things like that. But yeah, he, he's out there living the alcohol free life and absolutely the, still the funniest person I've ever met and known. <laughs> And there's, there's just creativity flowing through him. And he, so he's, his stories are throughout the book and he is absolute hoot. And so that's another, we're going to have him as part of the alcohol-free revolution zoom meetings. He's going to come in every now and then and do uh, some shows for us about drinking and, and things while in character. When, when to watch is his character. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what, what else do you want men to know about drinking and, and unraveling your drinking that makes you a little different than women who are going through this or uh, just in general? Yeah. So the big thing about being a man's man is we love women and women around us. And we want to be attractive and we want to be sexy and we want to have women think that we're sexy. And, and I think some of our biggest insecurities and fears, I know that our biggest, some of our biggest insecurities and fears is surrounding women and talking to women and being social with them. And so we have this consciousness that we think we need to drink and that we need to offer drinks to women to have it lighten it up. We're gonna lighten the, the scene we're going to lubricate the the party, you know, and then get everybody, you know, to, and it all surrounds this whole sexual consciousness. And the point that I really want to make to men is that you are so much sexier and better looking and attractive as an alcohol free man. You are safe for a woman. The, the biggest thing, and you please back me up on this, is is if a woman feels safe, how, how does that feel to you versus a man who's drinking and kind of a little bit out of control and saying different things and thinking he's funny and loud mouth? I mean, versus a man who is there and is present and listening and and speaking when it's proper and, you know, telling appropriate jokes so you being a woman, what do you think about that? Oh, yeah, definitely a safety thing. And also, you know, I have teenage girls. And one of the things I worry most about them is drinking and safety around men, honestly. And, you know, most sexual assaults involve alcohol. And it's so it's scary as a woman out there. And and I know that obviously there are really great men out there. And I think that the alcohol, I mean, I know a lot of people, this takes it on another level, I guess, but you know, I, I do put blame and fault on the alcohol for a lot of those sexual assaults. I don't think that as many of them would happen if, if, 
the men weren't so intoxicated. And so, yeah, it's scary. So, yeah, I think it's much safer to be around a man who's not drinking for sure. Yeah. I mean, the numbers don't lie. And it's just I just like (gasps) yeah. women but my, yeah i have a nine and ten year old daughters and 50 over 50 percent of college uh women will be sexually assaulted in college so one of uh, basically i'm looking at my girls and i'm like okay one of them is going to be sexually assaulted right in 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 and i'm just this is the real numbers and i also am very i'm like okay this is another why, reason why i'm really talking to them about alcohol and how we have to really treat it like cigarettes and, and, and just be so careful with this substance because it does, it takes all away our inhibitions. And I don't know if you remember the movie animal house, but I, I referenced mm-hmm. that in my book and it's, you know, the boy sitting there with the passed out girl and she's got her uh, top off on the bed in college and he's got an angel on his shoulder and he's got a devil on his shoulder. And it's this conversation and it's in his consciousness of which way to go with this situation. And in the movie, he goes the angel side, right? Okay, that is a movie. If that boy is drunk in college with the raging hormones, the chances of him not doing something to that girl are virtually nil because of everything that's going on in that situation of partying through the night, hanging out with the girl. She's Now she's in his college dorm room. She's passed out with him, half nude. And you just sit there and you go, okay, that is exactly where this is is going and so you if you remove alcohol then that boy has such a better chance of not of of having the inhibitions and going wait this this is a passed out human that i need to take care of i need to make sure she's okay this is not healthy and i and all the red lights are flashing whereas if alcohol is there it it masks all the red lights flashing of like this is not an okay situation so yeah i feel for the you know the the boys because i had that raging hormones in me in college too you know and the and the drinking is just unbelievable so whenever i hear about you know boys they're in jail for so long for for these rapes and things i just like it tears my heart out because i know like that those if you would have removed alcohol they they probably wouldn't have done what they did and that's just my personal feeling. I'm not trying to take away from that person. And I don't, you know, I, uh, anything like that. I know we are getting to a different level with that, but that's just what I see. If we, if we removed alcohol from college parties and stuff, that percentage of 50% would dramatically go way down. There is absolutely no doubt that that would go at, so far down. Yeah, I agree. And it I mean, it's it's a hard topic to talk about, but it is so important. I think have you seen the movie A Promising Young Woman? No. <sighs> it's with Carrie Mulligan. It came out a couple years ago, but it's it's kind of it's very well done. It's it's basically a revenge movie of a, a a young girl who was raped by a guy who was intoxicated. And she gets revenge. I don't want to spoil it too much, but she's getting revenge on, she's pretending that she's just drunk out of her mind and and going home with these guys and getting revenge on them, basically. But I was such like a, it's it's just a big, 
I don't know, expose about this sexual assault and alcohol and the prevalence and just men behaving badly together. Like you said, they wouldn't do it, wouldn't, you know, remove the alcohol. And you're not going to see that. I mean, always there'll be this, you know, sociopath, smaller population. But wow, just pouring fuel on the fire. And it's just, yeah, I mean, it's just your alcohol is shit. It's just complete yeah. and utter shit, honestly. Yeah, well, yeah that's, that's the forehead slap. And it's just funny to say that because, you know, everybody at parties and everything, if you say that, it's just this like, the record stops, you know, and you're like, yeah, yeah, it's alcohol is shit. And we have to get out of this consciousness of, of that it's this elixir and that it's doing so many good things for us. Whenever I look at my life and I go, what good did that ever do? And then I go, then I say, okay, what bad did it do? All literally, I look at and all that, all, all the bad things that I think that I, how I behaved and how I acted in my life and the stuff that I did, I'm like, everything had to do with alcohol and it was part of that situation. And I'm like, if that wouldn't have been, if I wouldn't have been drinking in that situation, would I have done that? Now we don't know. But I sure as hell would have loved to take the chance, <laughs> you know, and have the have the wherewithal and the consciousness to have reacted in that situation in a completely different way. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, what else do you want to share with people who are listening? I think another thing, you know, to I, you know, I have to still keep promoting this whole alcohol free revolution. But if you want to follow me on Instagram, it's Dustin. Dunbar AFG is my Instagram is an AFG is alcohol free guru. And so there's a lot of tips and things on there where I, I teach meditation and, I'm, and it's only like one minute to one and a half minutes per day is what I'm posting right now. And so, but through there I, I do, it's all free and just tips and me coaching and talking about it. And we're just reprogramming people's minds to know that alcohol is shit. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Well, and I would encourage people to get your book. You're doing great. And other lies alcohol told me, Brad, I'm halfway through, but it's very entertaining. Like you said, especially the relationship with you and your brother. I really appreciate that. And I just want to thank you again for doing what you're doing. You know, viva la revolution. <laughs> Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. And it's just, it helps so much to have people out there to support this and the energy. It's, we are all connected and I am not doing this alone. I of myself can do nothing and it's just the energy pouring through me and I'm just trying to give it out there and keep, to keep it going because this ship is turning and it is starting to turn pretty well. It's a big one, <laughs> but we're, we're turning it. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Alcohol Tipping Point podcast. Please share and review the show so you can help other people too. I want you to know I'm always here for you. So please reach out and talk to me on Instagram at Alcohol Tipping Point and check out my website, alcoholtippingpoint.com for free resources and help. No matter where you are on your drinking journey, I want to encourage you to just keep practicing, keep going. I promise you are not alone and you are worth it. Every day you practice not drinking is a day you can learn from. 
I hope you can use these tips we talked about for the rest of your week. And until then, talk to you next time.